Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the People's School for Marxism-Leninism Studies. This is November 14th, 2023, and tonight's class, we had initially planned for doing a class on Palestine tonight, um, but for today, we will actually be doing something that we have been wanting to do for a while, and that is showing the movie of Bobby Yar. This is Bobby Yar Lessons of History. So this was a film that was filmed in Soviet Ukraine back in the 1970s and released to the West in the 1980s. This film highlights the events of the Babi Yar massacre, which began around September 1941 in fascist-occupied Ukraine. And at Babi Yar, on that days between September 29th and 31st, about 29,000 to 33,000 Jews and communists and Slavs and other people were massacred at this site, at this ravine. Throughout the rest of the Nazi occupation of Ukraine, anywhere from about 200 to 300,000 people were killed and dumped in this ravine at this point. So we will be watching a movie that was done by the Soviet Union in their own words, explaining the Babi Yar massacre. This video will also feature people who have survived the Babi Yar massacre, their experiences, and some of the historic photos and images of the Babi Yar massacre um fair warning though that there will be some disturbing images in the video for tonight there is also some scenes that are not for the faint of heart so a viewer discretion is advised for this evening um before we begin though comrade angelo do you have any opening comments or anything you would like to add before we begin welcome everyone this film is very interesting soviet ukraine suffered from fascism which meant Ukrainians suffered from fascism. It's ironic how history has developed, where now fascism is in Ukraine again, and the victims are communist and anti-fascist. So it's important to look at the history of what fascism has done. And remember, fascism is the worst section of monopoly capital. It is monopoly capital, but the worst section of it the most chauvinistic, as Comrade Dimitrov would call it. So thank you very much. And I hope we have a discussion about each section of the film. Thank you. Thank you, Comrade Angelo. We will be showing the film in three different interviews with stoppings for questions between each of them as well. We will also be showing another video of a interview with a survivor of the Bobby Yar massacre, as well as the execution of some of the perpetrators of the massacre that was carried out in 1946 in Kiev. We will be showing about 12 or so segments of this. We will have two discussion project uh, discussion points during the film, and we'll also be showing another film of another interview with a survivor, as well as the hanging of some of the. <laughs> This is Kiev. This is the city I was born in. My name is Vitali Korotic. I'm a poet. This is the city where I live. Even if you've never been here, you must have heard that it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. 
the city which has endured down the ages and preserved its beauty. Here in this fine city, there are places connected with the gory pages of its history. Places where everything is going dark before your eyes, and your anguished heart beats rapidly as you walk down these streets, which are among the most sorrowful in history, among the most deeply engraved in human memory. Это очень старый город, одна из колыбелей славянской цивилизации. И если бы я вам сейчас... It is a very old city, one of the cradles of Slavic civilization. And if I were to tell you now its whole history, it would unavoidably be interwoven with the histories of very kind and wise people who planted all these trees and built all the houses here. It would be interwoven with the stories about how attempts were made from time to time to annihilate all the people who live here. The last time an attempt was made to annihilate me, a Ukrainian, and most of the people you can see around. At the time I was a boy, and it was planned that in the 50s I would not live here. It was planned that none of those who lived here before the war should be left among the living. And this film is also about how nobody could defeat the revolution, the memory, the life from which we had emerged, and for whose sake we took up arms. These Germans were born before World War II. They would yet become orphans. The walls of burning Berlin will yet fall on them. Their parents would not come back from the war. Hitler would do it. He would credit them with their ancestors' crimes, describing them as glorious exploits. He would raise killers. He would send them to kill us. All this began with the killing of conscience, with the killing of memory, morals, principles. Hitlers emerge when there is someone who is willing to pay for them. When the need arises to buy a person who will push the button and send the armies to kill and plunder.
this is how they started off. The ashes of their future victims were already whispering under their feet. This is a lesson to be remembered for centuries. And that is why we should learn from it. We should all learn from it. The more so that the American neo-Nazis, and not only them, brazenly assert today and write on their posters, Hitler was right. Because they're waiting, they're looking for their own Hitler. These Nazis were drilled on a parade ground in Hitler's time. And they're marching now. They march like this not only in Cologne or Munich. They make grimaces, put on asses' heads and march along sporting the posters like this one. I'm an ass because I believe that Oradour, Treblinka, Babillard had really existed. This is how they were entering Kiev. By that time, they had set half the world on fire. Entering the smoke-shrouded city, they already knew that this would be the site of Babi Yar. They had planned to start with it. Kiev had never had it so bad. We're telling you about Babi Yar because it was the most flagrant experiment in mass murder. An experiment they hoped nobody would learn about. Here's a notice. They were searching for this man. They were afraid that he would be able to tell the truth about them. When they drove us into Babi Yar and chained us, I understood that my last minute had come. All my comrades shared the same thought. Oh God, if only one of us could survive this massacre, he would tell people about these horrors, about what was going on here. These people remained alive. They're among us today. They broke through the Nazis' cordon. Then their number was 327. Only 14 of them escaped, and only six, one Ukrainian and five Jews, have lived to this day to tell us their story, because it is vitally important for us to know, for the world to remember the lesson of Babi Yar. I would tell you that it's a very beautiful locality if it were not Babi Yar. Perhaps as long as Kiev exists, no one will ever say that these are picturesque slopes, beautiful trees, because the roots of each tree 
growth of the remains of thousands of people slaughtered here in this black babiyar, this horrible ravine. They packed into it nearly 200,000 human bodies. It is essential that the world should know how they did it and how they dread today the memory of their crimes. Right here in this Babi Yar stood the furnaces. The stench was unbearable. We were ordered to carry the bodies and under pain of summary execution to stack them on the platform of the furnace. Here they brought people, naked women and children, put to death in mobile gas chambers. They wanted to break us by killings. They didn't know any other punishment, and they killed for no reason at all, for pigeons. For picking up a helmet. They killed simply because you were a Ukrainian, a Russian, a Jew, a Kazakh, because you were a Soviet. The road of death. That is what it was called since the Nazis entered Kiev on September 19, 1941. An endless stream of people began to flow down this road on September 29. Fascists were driving them to the slaughter. For the first five days, they were killing predominantly Jews. During the following 745 days of the Nazi occupation, day after day, they shot here our prisoners of war, communists, resistance fighters, sailors of the Dnieper flotilla, making no distinction among nationalities, because the victims were Soviet and the killers were fascists. Babi Yar is the height of inhumanity. It is one of the biggest and most horrible common graves in history. Here is one of the typical notices. All the Jews of Kiev and its suburbs are to come to the corner of Melnikov and Dekterov streets near the cemetery at 6 a.m. Monday, September 29, 1941. It is necessary to bring along documents, money, and valuables as well as warm clothes, linen, etc. Whoever of the Jews fails to carry out this order and will be found elsewhere will be shot on sight. We came out into Artyom Street. We found ourselves in a huge stream of people. There were so many people, children, old men and women, cripples. Some of them were riding. Others walked, carrying suitcases in their hands. Everyone was thinking about a long journey. And no wonder, considering that we were moving in the direction of the railway station branch. Suddenly, my sister got into a fuss. Mother, she said, we've left the salt behind. How can we go without salt on a journey? We were all thinking only about the journey. We came up to Dorogozhitskaya Street. 
we saw a number of trucks that were moving towards us. There were lots of suitcases and other belongings on the trucks. The free space on the trucks was occupied by the Germans. They roared with laughter looking at us. And I said to my mother, Mom, don't worry. Nothing bad will happen to us. Nothing bad. Thank you, everyone. We will now break for our first round of discussion. Um, if you have any questions, please raise your hand. Um, try to keep comments to questions, just because we do have a lot of material to go through. Also, I will be marking at every 60 seconds and then 90. Try to keep your comments to under two minutes. Thank you. Um, so to start off, Comrade Angelo, you have the floor. Okay. Remember clearly that when the Nazis marched into the Ukraine, they were greeted with flowers. You should know that. By who? By the followers of Stefan Bandera. That's why you should know this. The same group that's in control of Kiev right now. They're the ones that supported the invasion by Germany. They supported the murder of Bobby Yar. Remember, most of the concentration camps were not done by Germans, but by Ukrainian fascists. The people that came before, the leaders, uh, Zelensky people. And don't kid yourself, Zelensky may be Jewish today, but his whole life he was brought up as a Christian. You should know that. How many Jewish people you know have a cross around their neck? And Zelensky has a cross around his neck. So he's about as Jewish as Biden is. Okay, oh. let's be clear about that. So what's going on? now is a continuation what went on then that's all thank you thank you comrade angelo my question is do the banderite nazis that are in control of ukraine today celebrate the anniversary of bobby yar Somebody now you know i'm not 100 percent sure i know that uh, they always say that it was they tried to to hide the fact that the western ukrainians because this is the thing it's important. There was 1,500 people involved at the Babiar massacre, you know, the three days in September 2041. Okay, but out of the 1,500, there was 300 Germans. There were 1,200 Western Ukrainians who did the massacres. Okay, so of course, uh, if they mention Babiar, they're not going to say that. That much I know, that's all. Thank you, comrade. I almost wouldn't be surprised if they said more it was the Soviets that did it. Right. <laughs> Comrade, did you have another question from having your hand up earlier? Yeah, actually, I, I just wanted to give a little historical context, you know, about Kiev thing. Okay, so, you know, uh, this um, this Babiyar massacre after they uh, happened, after they captured Kiev, right? And uh, what happened is they captured Kiev, but the Soviets left some, some bombs in the buildings, you know, in, in the administration buildings. They left some bombs, delayed bombs, right? And sure enough, a lot of Nazis were killed by that. You know, it was a smart move from the Soviets. But then they retaliated and blamed the Jews. So that's when they rounded up every Jew they could find in Kiev and marched them to Babiyar Ravine, okay? And uh, like I said just a minute ago, they were helped by the Western Ukrainians who to identify themselves wore an armband with a blue, yellow, and the trident. Okay. Thank you, comrade. Comrade, you have the floor. 
Yeah, y'all know me. I just need to simply put it another right wing minimum fascist genocide that nobody ever talks about. Nobody in the, you know, American democracy republic ever, ever talks about. They only ever point out what they want to point out. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Actually, I do have an interesting question for you. Do any of the Ukrainian expats in Canada um, remember Bobby R, to your knowledge? I haven't talked to many, and my best friend was actually Ukrainian, although he was his mom was raised in the Soviet Union. And for some reason, there was such a right-wing twist about them. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Comrade Angel has a little insight, even though it's not related. But there's something, something about the Ukrainians, especially now, that makes them so right-wing. Thank you. Comrade Angelo? Yeah, remember, we as communists had a foothold in the Ukrainian community in the United States. And in Canada, we have our own organizations. And this country was Ukrainian American League, which I had been a member of. And in Canada, it was called the Association of Ukrainian uh, U- Ukrainian Canadians. They were destroyed by the McCarthy period. The pro-Ukrainian, pro-communist sections were destroyed. And therefore, the only ones that were allowed to exist were those that supported anti-Soviet goals. So... They do not talk about Baba Yar. You don't hear anybody in Zelensky's Ukraine talk about Baba Yar. In fact, I would predict that right now, it's not being taken care of. There are weeds growing all around it. That's what I'm telling you right now. So thank you. Thank you, Comrade Angelo. Comrade, you have the floor. Go ahead. I don't know for sure if they talk about it or not, but my guess is that they definitely do not. Um, there was a movie, a Polish movie put out on the Volin massacre that the Ukrainians banned because they said it would be divisive for uh, between them and the Polish. So I, I think they're pretty much trying to hide from their past. Thank you, comrade. That reminds me of a graffiti I saw somewhere near the Polish border. They said, we'll forgive you for Volin if you give us uh, Loditz or that big city in Western Ukraine that used to be under Polish occupation. Comrade, you had your hand up earlier. Did you have something you wanted to say? Yes, but my questions were answered, actually. Oh, fantastic. So can... oh. All right. What did you, you say again? Uh, some graffiti uh, get, it will give you, uh, will forgive you for Berlin or something if you give us Lviv a little bit again? So I had seen this on social media somewhere, but it was graffiti on a wall near the Polish-Ukraine border that said, we'll forgive you for the Volin massacre if you give us Lviv, or Lviv, which is that big city in Galicia, western Ukraine, that used to be under Polish occupation after the uh, Treaty of Brest-Litovsk. Dr. Angelo, uh, the movie, when you visited the Soviet Union, did you see uh, Kiev and did you think it was, uh, uh, what do you think about how, whether it was really that beautiful or not? Yeah, um, I saw Kiev I, many times I was in Kiev. And uh, it depends, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Remember that. Aesthetics, what one person thinks is beautiful, another person not. It was a pretty city. The famous city that I, I enjoyed the most was Riga, R-I-G-A, which was in the Baltic areas. I found that was really extremely beautiful. But yes, it was a, it was a pretty city. But okay. everybody there knew, when I was there, everybody knew that the Ukraine was Soviet. 
and it will always be part of the Soviet uh, spirit. Thank you. Thanks. Good evening. This is from Eritrea. Good evening, comrades. And my question is uh, specifically, uh, we, after the Second World War, we have seen the behavior of the ruling classes in this country uh, globally, including in the United States against the progressive forces was kind of a... Uh, Measures, police measures, they took intelligence measures, the McCarthy area, stuff like that. So now, uh, instead of learning from their past experience of what they are doing in Ukraine, I don't see any difference between what Hitler's Germany did to the Soviet Union at that time. So what will, uh, can you say about that? People like senior politicians like uh, Angelo and others. I don't see any difference because they are target, targeting the killing of Russians. You know, and why they hate the Russians as a, as a people, as a race, I really cannot have any comprehension about it. They stoke divisions and nationalities as a way of breaking down the spirit of brotherhood that existed in the Soviet Union. Um, if someone has a better answer than me. Yeah, they hate Soviet. That's what the Ukrainians today hate. They don't hate the Russians. They hate anything that smells of Soviet. And therefore, most of the Russians and the Ukrainians were part of the Soviet Union. The generation that has been brought up since 1991 is a very different kind of Ukrainian. These kind of Ukrainians, they're now in their 35, 40 years old. Think about it. They have their own families. They're raising children in their schools. They're raising them to support Ukraine that supported fascism by working with Germany. The Bandera people. That's the statues they put up all over the Ukraine. Stefan Bandera. Okay? So the generation now hates Russians because they consider the Russians Soviet. Thank you. Thank you, Comrade Angelo. If there are no other hands, we will return to the video. Once again, just as a minor note, there will be some disturbing images throughout this video, so viewer discretion is advised.
Thank you. We will now break for another discussion round. If you have any questions, please raise your hand. Try to keep your comments to questions if possible and try to keep it under two minutes. So. Yeah, it was very interesting at the end when it said we still remember the 20 million of our countrymen that died or that gave that uh, gave their lives. These are Ukrainians referring to the whole Soviet Union um, as their country. You know, it's it's just a you know just a stark contrast to today, where they want nothing to do with the Soviet Union. But here and whenever this was made, they're considering the Soviet Union their country. So. Thank you for that comment. And yes, this movie was made in the 1970s, so they definitely considered the Soviet Union, their country, and their fellow citizens. Yeah, my question is, um, obviously, I know the Germans were pretty, uh, what do you call it, um, detail-oriented, and I'm assuming that the the uh, Soviets actually are using a lot of the German uh, videos to tell the story am i correct um so i'm not 100 percent sure on what the the source material they used to make but um there is definitely it looks like there was video and photos that german soldiers had taken and perhaps comrade angelo can give some more information yeah uh, a lot of the uh world war ii era videos were done by the germans boasting what they were doing in Operation, um, I think it was called Barbarossa. But um, so, yeah, it did come from that. Thank you. Yes, comrades. Did you notice during that last section, the trial? There was a trial of the accused, you know, the Nazis, right? There's 15 of them. You know, they're sitting in a box, right? In a little bit, you will see them hanging, hanging on a rope at uh, Kiev Central Square, Main Square, okay? And another thing, that lady, the witness, uh, Dina Pronicheva, right? Yes. And she was an actress in Kiev theater. And uh, she she was actually kind of famous. She survived Babi Yar. But after Babi Yar, until the liberation of Kiev, two more years, right? And she was arrested four times by the Nazis and four times she escaped. That girl was famous. Fascinating. I never knew that about her. Um, how did Stalin, what was his reaction to all of this? That's really all. I personally don't know Stalin's exact reaction to it, but I'm pretty sure it was horrifying or horrified to find out all this being done. At least that's what I can assume a normal human being's reaction to all this would be. If anyone knows better on some kind of writing that Stalin had about this, feel free to go ahead. At the time in uh, in September 41, nobody really knew all this. It was later in 42, after, um, you know, those battle of Stalingrad and all this, you know, when the Red Army went forward, that they found out the extent of the Nazi massacres. Okay. So it took a little while. You could say about eight months also for the USSR to really know all these massacres, okay? It's also worth noting that the Soviets were the first to report on the concentration camps going on 
um, throughout the Nazi-occupied territories, which the West did not believe until they themselves were stumbling upon them. So that is worth noting. I was just saying there isn't much to say. I think we just you we just watched what happened and it's hard to read about this stuff but when you see it visually I, I think it's harder um but this actually happened so we have to see it I, I don't think there's a way to get around that um it's horrifying and to think you know at the beginning they said we can't forget about this we have to tell this for decades well unfortunately it seems like we forgot about we see what's happening today in that exact area so this this needs to get out. Like it's so great that we have this. That the U.S. friends of the Soviet people had a project to create this. I don't think people would be aware of this if not. That's all. Thank you, um, Comrade Angela. You have the floor. Yeah, I want to mention that the world said nothing while this was going on. The world said nothing. Does that sound familiar to you right now? I don't hear any mass cry from the governments all over the world, in Australia and New Zealand and France and Germany about what's going on in Gaza. To me, it's the same. I don't see any difference. When you bomb buildings constantly and there are people in the buildings, what are you doing? When you bomb a hospital, what are you doing? And the world is saying nothing again. Thank you. Thank you, Comrade Angelo. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, um, in case people are wondering, uh, most of this film came from the German archives. Uh, it was they who filmed this. And then after the war, obviously, we had access to it as well as the uh, Soviets. So that even to me makes it uh, absolutely worse. It's just incomprehensible, you know, just how bad some people uh, can act. So just wanted to mention that to you so you know where the film came from. Thank you, comrade. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to point out something I noticed. Um, in the film, they kept mentioning rapid nationalism, which sort of triggered me because I was like, okay, as we know, there's dialectical opposites and ideologies. Um, the dialectical uh, opposite of a communist is a fascist. And as communists, we represent internationalism Whereas the fascists, you know, they uh, they represent radical nationalism, the complete opposite. And so it's just something I wanted to point out just because it's something I think we ought to contrast more and more. That's all. Thank you. I thought it said it quite well where it said they have replaced class consciousness and struggle for the myth of the blood and their chauvinism has been on full display of it. I thought that said it quite well. If there is no other hands, we will go back to the video. We have one more section of this video, and then we will break for another discussion round. The next video is going to be an interview that was done with one of these survivors of the Bobby Yar massacre. В районе еврейского кладбища, это в конце э, улицы Дегтяревской и Серецкой, и Серецкой. Значит, с собой иметь теплые вещи на две недели, дорогостоящие предметы, как золото, серебро, 
бриллианты, деньги и дорогостоящие меха. Вот с этим объявлением евреи народ очень такой исполнительный. Все мы явились к восьми утра к бабьему Яру, то есть к еврейскому кладбищу, за еврейским кладбищем было бабий Яр, так называемый. Но когда мы подошли к еврейскому кладбищу, там был, лежало три доски, мы должны были переступить эти доски. У меня, правда, был э мешок с этим самым сухарями. Там нужно было доску перейти. И в это время не, не немцы, а украинцы. Украинские националисты, они мерзавцы, между прочим, уникальные. Западные украинцы. Да, но это в основном были, они же с немцами пришли в Киев. Пришли да, до да, западной Украины, конечно. Они сорвали с меня наволочку, в которой были сухари. И в это время я увидел страшную вещь. Страшная картина. Пока Мися еще стоял на доске, я увидел, как немец вырвал у старика-еврея, на руках был внучек, а, а, а этот еврей-старик, он еще, ну, он снял штаны, но он еще был, извините, в нижнем белье. И он у него вырвал этого ребеночка и вынул зайтенгевер, называется по-немецки, штык, и одел его на штык. И этот старик обезумел и бросился к этому немцу, схватил его за глотку. В это время подошел один офицер, и этого, не знаю, кто он там, младший командир, немец, он ударил его по физиономии. Это очевидно не потому, что он защищал евреев, потому что он хотел его предупредить, что он делает, ведь сзади евреи же видят все. Они, они, они упираться не будут идти. Он его стукнул по физиономии. Когда он одел ребеночка на, ш, на штык, я понял, что нас будут убивать. И все подошли вот к этому. Мне этот украинец сказал, давай скорее проходи. И я прошел, и я же понял, что там за колючей проволокой, за еврейским кладбищем, уже убегать мне никуда нельзя. И в это время собралась, там очень много было евреев. Кстати, у нас, я уже поздно вечером пришел, нас не раздевали. Я был в одежде. До этого, до, ну, за час, за два начали, всех раздевали. Совсем раздевали? Да, совсем. Даже такой маленький мальчик подошел к немцу и говорит, дяденька, я не могу... Покойтесь, дяденька. Дяденька, а чулки нужно тоже снимать. А ребенку 6 лет или 5 лет. Понимаете, он немца спрашивает, или чулки снимать надо. Mm. Уже, короче говоря, там была группа 100, тысяч, 100, 100 человек, и еще 100 человек, которые голые уже, мы уже одетые были. И запустили 20 собак, овчарок. И эти овчарки стали кусать людей за ноги. И поэтому люди, да, люди бегли, бежали вперед. И вы извините, что я расстроился. Ну, они... Трудно не расстроиться. Да. 
они... Тяжкие воспоминания. Да. Они кусали людей за руки, и девочки лет 16-14 кричали, за что мы немцам ничего не сделали плохого, но почему над нами так издевается. Они создавали динамику, чтобы эта толпа людей ближе подошла к обрыву. С той стороны обрыва стояли 10 немецких, 10, может быть, 12, я не знаю, а с автоматами. А по ходу движения не было видно? Нет. А в последний момент уже... Это перед появилось... самым обрывом. Там такой, такой проход Уст, был. Уступ есть, и яр, понимаете? И на последний момент это не видно было, Не видно, там. да. Они были слышны выстрелы, а частые выстрелы, но кто в кого стоял, понятия не имели. И когда я подошел к Брусверу и увидел... Внизу 45 метров, 45 или 50 метров я не мог измерить, но такая была глубина. Я увидал лежащую женщину, мертвую, еврейку. На ней лежал маленький ребеночек, ну, может быть, ему было год или два, и он мамин сосал бюст, но грудь, да. Но он жил, а мама была убита. И я, когда увидал эту, этот ужас, до этого я видел, когда на штык надели, я, я, я потерял сознание. И каким образом я очутился внизу, я не знаю. Но я знаю точно, что я упал с этой высоты вниз. До, до выстрела. До выстрела. И когда два или три дня, может быть, четыре дня я пролежал без сознания по трупами, Спустились немцы, группа немцев, и стали достреливать тех, которые были раненые, которые еще стонали, не каждого попала же пуля. Они проверяли. Да, кто стонал, того они достреливали. Такой был пистолет у них вот здесь, я, я два шеми видел, парабелум называется. Они из этого очень... Многозарядные. Да, да, да. Ну, такой немецкий именно пистолет. И они достреливали вот этих всех евреев, которые еще жили. И один немец стал мне на ноги. И от... он потому что же не знал, что я жив. И я очнулся. От потери сознания я пришел в себя. И я, чтобы боль заглушила мой крик, я укусил себе за палец. Вот за этот палец. Боль была ужасная. Страшнее было смерти. Я же знал, что я приму после крика, я приму смерть. Ну, так я двое или трое суток потом пролежал по трупам, и на мне еще было два слоя трупов. Я, я когда вышел через Петропавловский тупик на Куреневку, я был весь в крови, они были ранены, и кровь на меня они сочила. Они засыпали еще было? Нет, они засыпали только через два, через три дня. What's the origin of the name Baba Yar? Is that like the Jewish name for this? Like, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard that. Thanks. It was a ravine that was known near Kiev at the time. So I think the names got a longer um, history than that. It was first mentioned around historical accounts in 1401 in connection to the sale of it by Baba, an old woman who was also the Cantonian of the Dominican Monastery. The word Yar is Turkic in origin, meaning gully or ravine. 
So um, and this is all according to Wikipedia. So it was probably owned by someone at one point who sold it. <laughs> Going on. Sorry about that. Just got a comment from Comrade in the chat. And they say it is a Ukrainian name and it means Baba's Yard, Y-A-R-D. Thank you, Comrade. Fantastic. Yeah, I think I missed it, but the guy was saying um, when they had to search the corpses for like valuables, he found a key. What was the key? What was it to? I didn't really get that part. He found a key to whatever it was that they were staying in, um, like their barracks or whatever. And so he was able to escape with the people that he was with using that key. Uh, Comrade Angelo, you have the floor. I hope everybody heard what he said about the Ukrainian. Called them bastards. From the Ukrainians from the western part of the country, right near Germany. They're the ones, the city of Lov, LV, I think it's pronounced OV. That city is now the center of the Bandera people. So he says that very clearly, that there were Ukrainians who were running the police force and in charge of the killing. Thank you. Thank you, Comrade Angelo. I was particularly when we were watching this film struck by some of the lines at the end where they said in the third millennium, no one should have to fear a bullet. No one should have to fear having a gun on them. And it's really striking to me that the fraternal feeling among all the people of the Soviet Union there, they could not have imagined what would have happened nowadays, never mind the downfall of the Soviet Union. This film was made um, in the 70s. And it was not released for a Western audience until the 80s, I believe. Um, if there are no other hands, we still have one more section of the movie itself to go over. And then a short video afterwards of the execution of some of the perpetrators of this. Today, from the distance of our memory, we recall all the 20 million citizens of our country who gave their lives for the great victory. The war tragedy still rankles.
Их было очень много, пленных, которых мы брали из разбитой вражеской армии. И среди этих людей были не только ведь немцы. We captured a great many prisoners of war. Among them were not only Germans. When they passed the streets of our cities, the water used for washing off their tracks ran not only into the sewerage system. Unfortunately, part of this dirty water found its way across the ocean. Working on this film, we had to look through thousands of meters of newsreels and other documentary material. We had to examine thousands of photographs. Here in front of me are only some of the chief of Kiev Ukrainian police during the Nazi occupation, a Mr. Kabaida. He fled this country and found refuge overseas. He signed orders about executions of Jews, Ukrainians and Russians, specifically in Babiyar. He even set a price on the head of each captured Jew. Here is a document signed by Kabaida. I make special mention of Cossack Yosef Kirichuk, who, while off duty, detained a Jew. For this deed, he is rewarded with one kilo of lard and one kilo of flour. As a token of appreciation of the services of the Ukrainian police, the grateful occupationists even renamed one of the downtown streets. The alliance of enemies is always instructive. Today, Zionists are ready to embrace those who yesterday organized pogrom. Today, they chew the same gum and the same words. Today, we see the merging of all anti-Soviet forces. They are very different in political coloring, but they are united by their pathological hatred for the Soviet Union. They want us to forget that in the not-so-distant past, their banners fluttered alongside the Nazi standards, and their emblems match so well with the Nazi swastikas, the signs which came to be associated with the tragedies like that of Babi Yar. I do believe that those who escape punishment must fear you, the people who are watching this film right now. They must know that they've not been forgiven for the crimes they committed. They must know that the human destinies they cut short, the lives they cut short, hang over them and give them no peace, not for a moment. And should we forget about the criminals, we will not be forgiven by their victims. Those who stayed in Babiyar forever will never forgive us, and they will be right. They wanted us to forget everything. But we're making this film because we have not forgotten anything.
On August 18, 1943, 100 inmates of the Ceres concentration camp were taken to Baviyar. I was one of them. At first, we thought that they had brought us there to be shot. As it turned out, that was not the case. They chained us and ordered to open one of the ditches in Baviyar. We found there masses of human bodies. We noticed at once that the Germans were launching a large-scale operation. They had brought a powerful excavator, a compressor, and barrels of fuel. They had begun to lay a narrow-gauge railway. The Germans graded us according to speciality. The first group was called Kreba, that is, diggers. The second was called Hackenschlepper, that is, carriers who used long iron hooks. The third was called Knochenbrecher, that is, bone crushers. The fourth was called Goldsucher, that is, gold diggers. We opened huge graves, stacked disinterred corpses on the platforms of furnaces, each accommodating about two or two and a half thousand bodies. By our estimates, approximately 125,000 corpses were cremated there. Kiev, the city is 1,500 years old. In the summer of 1941, its population was 900,000. Two years later, in 1943, it was reduced to less than 200,000. The fascist death conveyor never stopped. They added new bodies to those that had been in the grave for two years. The Nazis brought their new victims in mobile gas chambers, and we had to throw the bodies, which were still warm, into the fire. Some of our comrades couldn't stand it and went mad. They were shot there and then, and their bodies were thrown into the fire. But new workforce kept arriving from the camp. The Nazis made us search the corpses. We were looking for valuables, and we found various things in the pockets. Once I was lucky, I found a key which fitted the lock in our dugout. Just think, the key to the rescue of the living was kept in the pockets of the dead. On September 28th, I happened to overhear one of the guards saying in German, tomorrow we're going to do away with these gentlemen. And then we understood why they did not charge the last furnace. We rushed out of the dugout. The guards were taken aback and momentarily paralyzed. There were several armed SS men in our way. Random shots were fired and flares shot up. But we were running away from Babiyar. 
все дальше и дальше от бабе Вахтара. New fire worshippers of sorts have taken up the torch from their precursors. It's really sickening to see them rejoice over any mean trick they pulled off, over any smear they made against the country which proclaimed internationalism and equality of nations and races. In their own way, they even diversify Hitler's experience. In Chile, they turn a stadium into a babiar. The trial of this man, who destroyed a city in Italy, lasted for 20 years. The prison gates open and the Nazis are set free. Nazism should be stopped. It shall not pass. The murderers shall not pass. The world must become better. It must survive. It must be suitable for human life. Our country has repeatedly spelled that out and once again calls for peace among nations. In this work for peace, we see the meaning of our life. so much in humanity in the world. And Babiyar, like a sharp boundary, reaches over time, spans time. But they go to any lengths trying to erase our memory of those who lost their lives in the war. They're trying to put a boundary between the past and the present. They divide in order to rule, to rule over memory.
This is the monument we have raised in Babila. This bronze, like a huge bell, calls for unity. We did everything in our power to prevent Babiar from stretching over the Atlantic and reaching America. We did everything we could to prevent the Nazis from landing in Britain, from destroying that country. The rash of Babiars was to cover the body of the entire world. It first appeared on the body of our country only because it was here that they encountered the strongest resistance. It was here that they were confronted with the greatest force which they had to smash before they could start digging Babi Yar's around the world. We reflect on the lessons of Babi Yar because we do not want the repetition of the tragedy. In the third millennium, nobody should ever face foreign guns and fall under a hail of bullets. Those who have never been shot at should remember their fellow humans who became earth, air, memory. They should remember how we broke the back of the fascist hordes how we defeated the forces of darkness to ensure the triumph of humanity, peace, and joy on earth. This is a monument to Babi Yar, to my city, and to all other cities that survived the war. And with that, we will break for another round of discussion. Comrade Angelo, you have the floor. What could I say? There's no words after seeing that. I have no words to say about it. What I find interesting is this is makes us realize how important the Soviet Union was. This film and others like it were done by the Soviet Union. We don't have that anymore, comrades. The worst... In fact, the enemies of that film, the Ukrainian fascists, you saw it right there. You saw it on the film. That's where they come from. The present leaders and those people who have their flags on their houses supporting the uh, Ukraine, they don't know about this movie. We have to try to find a way to get this movie out to more people. We really do. This movie is, is really important. It predicts the future. They never realized what would happen in 1991, let alone 2014. They never would have realized that. What's going on now in Gaza is mentioned in this film. They talk about the Zionists who do not represent the Jewish people. And so this film is prophetic in so many ways. Made in the early 70s. We try to have to find a way to get it into wider circulation. Thank you. Thank you, Comrade Angela. Yes, is uh, the memorial still there now? The Bobby R. Memorial that they showed? Yeah, it still exists. And from what I looked at uh, in the past couple of years, Zelensky goes out to the memorial to recognize it, um, you know, as a massacre. But that was all I saw, not whether or not they claimed it was a Soviet citadel or not. Thank you, comrade. Yeah, this uh, this film made me uncomfortable, but uh, that's how you know it's good because it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. 
And frankly, I don't know if anybody else caught on to that, but uh, at one point, the narrator, um, actually, when we're talking about Zionism and Zionists, he mentioned Stalin's position on it. Um, I found that kind of interesting that it basically uh, does away with class contradictions and makes people not see the class contradictions and rather focus on ethno-nationalism. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you, comrade. Some of the other, I believe, things that were referenced, I did recognize some of the um, supremacist movements in Britain. And of course, people saw the outfits of the Klan. Yes, comrade. So what happened in 45, 46, 47, 48, right? The bourgeois government were shedding crocodile tears on the Holocaust. And at the same time, they were rehabilitating Nazis in the government, in the military, uh, soon to be the leaders of NATO. You know, that guy, Hussinger, I think, was one of the first secretary of NATO, and he was uh, a chief of staff of Hitler. And at the same time, you know, they, they, they shed tears, right? And they tell the Jews, European Jews, to emigrate to Palestine in order to be safe from Nazism. When they bring the Nazis back, that's vile hypocrisy from those people in those years, you know, that's all. Thank you, comrade. Yeah, I'm uh, speaking with comrade in the chat still. There's a uh, poem from the USSR. It's called, There Are No Monuments Around Babiar. And I guess there's an English translation. I don't think I'll be able to fit it in 90 seconds, but I'll just put it in the chat in case anybody's interested. At the time, there were no monuments, but, you know, as we know now, they were later put up there. Thank you for that, comrade. Definitely look over that. Before we wrap up, we have one final video. This took place in Kiev, 1946. Um, this was the public hanging after the trial and jury verdict of 15 conspirators of the Baba Yar massacre who were publicly hung in Kiev and what is now, ironically enough, Maidan Square, but it was, of course, called something different back then. Зверское искрепление мирных советских граждан и военнопленных за разрушение городов и сел, за угон рабства населения Советской Украины, руководство статьей 2 Уголовного кодекса УССР и статьями 296 и 297 Уголовно-процессуального кодекса УССР военный трибунал приговорил Шеера, Бургарта, Чанера Остина, Кейниша, Бализера, Друкенброда, Келлерфорта, Кноля, Бекендопа, Изенмана, Йокшата, Майера, смертной казни через повешение.
Товарищ комендант, приведите приговор в исполнение. And really is something where so many still escape justice and only so few of them really actually faced any of it. Yeah, I I just was noticing that they hung one person that was at the front first and then they hung everyone else at the same time. Was that man of a higher rank and did that have some sort of significance? Thanks. Thank you for your question. Um, as far as we know, no. Yeah, that uh, the guy who kind of like uh started hanging first i think he just he just messed up i think he just tripped or something and started hanging but um yeah thank you comrade, comrade go ahead yeah the comrade is right and i think he was uh resisting you know so the soviet guard uh soldier he uh he grabbed him and kind of pushed him a little bit ahead well it's okay yes i wanted to say that this was a very important film to watch and i'm glad that we did and it also it makes you realize that when we say never again, we mean it. When we see these pictures of IDF soldiers slaughtering Palestinian children and bragging about it and all that, they're doing the same atrocities as the Nazis did in Ukraine. And that's why the struggle for the liberation of Donbass is the same as the struggle for the liberation of Palestine. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Yeah, I don't know if anybody has an answer to this question, but were there any Ukrainians that were executed or put on trial? Or was it all Germans? Yeah, it was very clearly mentioned in the film, in the beginning, that the these people, when the war ended, they left the country and they went to the United States and Canada. Right. It was said, and that is correct. They left, the, they left that, that part the people that were working for the Germans and they escaped and they went to the United States and Canada and they are the future leaders uh, and their children became the future leaders of the uh, Ukrainian groups in Canada and the United States that were uh, anti-communist, anti-Soviet. Thank you. Thank you, Comrade Angelo. I just wanted to say that uh, it was more than 15 people, obviously, that carried this out um and they only executed 15 people um it's not only the children but also the continuation of the of the police forces and as they are continuously uh, recruiting people over all of these years the same values get passed down because the same people you know they bring people on and they teach them their ways and they bring people on and teach them their ways so for anyone with any doubt that modern-day Western Ukrainians could still hold these values, and um, they carry that history with them. And a lot of them carry the same training and values directly handed to them. So um, this isn't like, a, oh, this happened a long time ago. It's it's continuing. Thank you, comrade. I don't remember where I had ended up hearing it, but they had said back um for some Ukrainians entering Canada after the war for getting in, no questions asked. Sometimes one thing they only had to show was just their Nazi tattoo. How true that may be. There is definitely a contingent of people that have fled and found refuge there and here and elsewhere in the Western Hemisphere. 
And before we end, Comrade Angelo, do you have any final thoughts or words? Yeah, I want to thank everybody for showing up tonight. And um, we're doing a real struggle here in this country against U.S. imperialism. The very fact that next year will be our 10th year, that's a miracle. We were able to survive for 10 years. Most groups on the left, they're lucky if they survive five months. And um, it's just a cemetery of that born this and then died. And it's the cemetery of the left is full of gravestones. So um, those people who want to start their own group, they think it's easy. They'll find out it's the hardest thing in the world to help build a Bolshevik movement in this country. Because individualism is very, very strong in this country. They think the collective is secondary, but the individual comes first. That's the way this country operates. They push that. The system pushes that. So the fact that now we have two offices, one on the West Coast and one on the East Coast, is a victory. We didn't have that two years ago. So from our last Congress, we've grown 150%. So this screw is part of that. And thank you, everybody, for clapping because we deserve to be clapped and pat on the back for what we're doing for the working class. We're carrying on all these Soviet films. We're the ones who are doing it. No other group on the left. You don't see, I'm not going to mention them. You don't see any of them. They're running the streets to get cameras, to take pictures of them. And then they go to the bank carrying their money that they made for the demonstration. And that's why they're here. They're not here to build a working class movement the way we did in the 30s and 40s, okay? So we're doing that, but we're going to need everybody to help. All you people need to help us. It cannot be done. I want to thank everybody for coming. Thank you for watching this full-length class from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. For more information or to join our free classes, visit our website, check out our YouTube, listen to our streams on Spotify, and chat with us on Reddit.